Hello and welcome back to the We Are Z podcast. As always, I'm Paul Loman. And I'm Jimmy Shee. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Danielle Rochelle. She is the outreach coordinator for Middle Tennessee State University, and she runs programs like Next Step, Safety Net Fund, and Student Food Pantry, which we'll discuss later. So, um, yeah, we'd just like to get started, as always, by asking, uh, how are you and how are you doing during the pandemic? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's been an interesting last few months, as it has been for most people. Uh, my family and I actually, we were all diagnosed or tested positive for COVID in December. So we spent the month of December quarantined at home. So there was a lot of Christmas gift drop off at the door. Um, so, and of course, like Christmas Zoom for uh, my mom and sister back in Memphis. So definitely a very 2020 Christmas for us. But now we're all on the mend and doing pretty good. So just kind of adjusting to our new normal. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. And um, for our audience, can you just like tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, like who you are and the program you run? Yeah. So my name is Danielle Rochelle. I am the Outreach and Support Programs Coordinator for Middle Tennessee State University. Um, I have been working at NTSU for about six years now. I've been in my current role for two years. And what I do at NTSU is I manage our student food pantry. I work with students who are currently homeless or at risk for homelessness, students who were former foster youth, unaccompanied youth, and just students in general who may be struggling with some basic needs and just trying to help fill in some of those gaps to help get them what they need. Awesome. And then uh, we're going to touch on all the programs you run, the next step, the safety net fund and the student's pantry. You just talked about mm-hmm. it a little bit. And then just to kind of kick this uh, kick this off, the reason why um, I, I wanted to talk to you was because I read the story on the Tennessean of um, Isaac Plata. Are you familiar with him? Can you repeat that part? Um. So I, I read this article on Tennessean about the students that's uh, homeless. Uh, his name is mm-hmm. Isaac Plata, I think. Um, and then that's oh, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you just kind of tell us about the story from your perspective? Okay, so I think the student that you're referring to, he actually worked really closely with my supervisor prior to me getting into the role. Um, and so for students who kind of are in a similar situation as that student, what happens is we may get a referral from a faculty member or another staff member or the students themselves may self-report their situation. And so we kind of, we sit down and we have a conversation about what's going on. And so one of the first things that we do, <clears throat> excuse me, is we make sure that that student has the proper financial aid status if they are homeless or at risk for homelessness. And so within the state of Tennessee, one of the things that we've done is kind of pushing for all of the public institutions or higher education institutions to have somebody in a similar role as mine that can walk students through that financial aid process. Because what that means is it can help a student get independent status for financial aid. But they have to meet certain criteria, which is why it's important for somebody to sit down and kind of work with that student to make sure that we get all those boxes checked. So with that independent status, that may qualify the student for additional financial aid to help cover the cost of school. And one of the things that I do is if the student needs housing on campus, we may be able to help that student get placed in on-campus housing a little bit faster. Or I may be able to work with some agencies out in the community to help that student get housing. 
So it's a wide range of things that we're able to do, but all of it will generally start with a conversation with that student, just kind of one-on-one to kind of find out what's going on and how we can best help them, because there is no one way to help all the students who are in that situation. Awesome. And um, what kind of brought MTSU to start this Next Step program for homeless students? Was there um, like a problem that was being brought up or... Um, like, how did this all get started? Yeah, so again, um, my direct supervisor, Becca Swinney, she was um, a very important part in getting this program started at MTSU. And the program was started because of the need of students that kept coming up, kind of like you were saying before. It was kind of a, okay, we're noticing a reoccurring issue or we're noticing that students are needing a little bit more support than what they're getting. So why can't we just have one central program to catch these students and help them so they don't have to wonder, you know, where can I get the assistance from? We already kind of have that one place set up that allows students to reach out and get the help they need. Awesome. And then obviously I think I read a statistics that, there is a significant number of homeless students, way more than I expected. I think the numbers mm-hmm. in the thousands, just in the Williamson and Davidson County, um, I was expecting dozens. Um, so obviously there's a huge demand for, right. for for support in this area. Do you know, do you have a number on how many homeless students there are MT, MTSU currently at the moment? What? At MTSU currently, I think our numbers right now are anywhere between 8 and 10. And that's only because the student status can change from one year to the next. So we kind of keep, I don't want to say necessarily keep tabs on the student, but we keep in contact with the students to kind of see, you know, what's going on to see if we need to step in a little bit more or if we can kind of back off on some of the support we're sending out to them. Just to kind of get a gauge on how many students are actively or in a situation that we need to intervene with. So right now we're between eight and 10 students, um, but we have gone up as high as 30 in past years, but that's based on self-report. And then how does like MTSU help students who are homeless other than tuition? Like there, are there any additional options or programs that MTSU provides to help with this transition or to make it easier for these students who need this help? So one of the things that we do, I think, is providing the students with a point person. Because a lot of times when a student gets to us and they have a homeless status, they're also going to be more likely to be a first-generation college student. And so with first-generation college students, they may not know how college works and needing somebody to kind of help them through that process. So my role is to make sure that those students get all their questions answered but without them having to go from one office to the next. It's kind of me doing a lot of the legwork to help that student out to kind of keep them from getting overwhelmed. And also kind of what I mentioned before with housing is if a student is looking to get housed on campus, but they don't have the deposit to get on campus housing, we can assist with that. And that's part of what started the safety net fund, our emergency grant that we give to students is we will provide students with the, the housing deposit to help them get placed in on-campus housing. And if they're on the wait list for on-campus housing, we can kind of reach out to our housing office and say, hey, we've got this student. They're currently on the wait list. We're going to help them with the deposit. Can we get them placed in housing? Um, we also help with just kind of 
community resources and trying to help them get fast tracked through some of those programs as well. Because I sit in on a few working committees within Rutherford County to kind of make sure I know what's the most up-to-date information on the resources those agencies can provide. Gotcha. And then just just on top of that, I just kind of want to um, go a step further. You talked about how it's important to have a point person at a school for for, for, for the student to contact. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that you were involved in the state law in 2019 where the Tennessee state legislature passed a law where it requires all post-secondary schools to have a um, to have a point person mm-hmm. for homeless students. So I was wondering if you can right. kind of talk a little bit more, because obviously I think you're involved in testi- um, you're, you're t- you testify in front of the state legislature, which I think is an amazing thing. Um, I would love to hear your experience on that. Yeah. So that bill uh, we did in conjunction with Schoolhouse Connection, because they are looking to get that law passed on a federal level so that all institutions Liaison. have to have somebody in that role. And for us, it was important because, like I was saying, it can be overwhelming to a student coming in to an unknown space that has several different components and we're using new language that may be hard to understand. And so it was important for me to testify and explain kind of some of the stories and the impacts that we could have on helping college students get through that process because that's kind of a, it's, an underserved population and we want to make sure that we can advocate for those students because they don't always know what are the right words to say or the right procedures to get what they need done and having somebody who's knowledgeable is very important I think that was something that needed to be heard on the legislative level and also just they knew the work that was being done by my direct supervisor and others in the field who have been working to get these types of laws passed across the country so that these students can get the help that they need. And that's great because I, I do feel like it's, it's, it's always intimidating to go through a process like this. And especially I'm actually, me and Paul are both um, seniors this year. So we're going through this process. And like you said, FAFSA and, um, it's a challenging process and I'm sure it's even mm-hmm. more challenging for for someone like you said that doesn't know their parents tax information or tax returns or right because right? there is none so I, I think exactly. that's, that's really great to, to have someone to contact but like you said earlier you use the word self-identify as someone mm-hmm. that needs help and I, I I do think if I'm in that position I would tend to run away from help like, have you ever mm-hmm. heard that? Like, you know, people are either unwilling to reach out for help or they think they're not going to get the help anyways or they're just simply ashamed. How, do you, how, oh, how does Next, next yeah. Step address that? So one of the things that I like to do is I try to give students the control of how much I'm involved. And I'll reach out to them and say, I'm as involved in your experience at MTSU as you want me to be. If you don't want me to talk to you, that's fine too. Um, but it's, I want students to control their experience. So if they only want my help in the beginning with the financial aid stuff and the housing things until they get the hang of it, that's fine. If they want me to be a part of their experience the whole time, I'm here for that too. So with self-reporting, I also try to come at it from a way of, you know, I'm going to try to give you as much help as I possibly can. I don't want to tell you that I can provide something for you if I can't. So I don't want to give false hope in areas where I know I can't deliver. 
And I know self-reporting is difficult because especially if you've been in a system where you feel like you were never given the help that you needed when you needed it, it can be very difficult to accept help somewhere else if you feel like you're going to get that same treatment. And so I try to kind of let students know, hey, I'm going to do these steps. And if you don't hear from me by this date, please feel free to call me and say, hey, what's going on? I haven't heard from you. And so giving students that or kind of giving them permission or saying, hey, you can call me out if you feel like I'm not giving you the help that I told you I would give you. And so for me, it's really important for me to make sure that students feel like they have control of the situation. I don't want them to feel like they're coming into another program with someone that's just going to tell them what to do, where to go, and how to act, because that's absolutely not what I'm here for. I'm here just to kind of help you along the way. That's awesome. And obviously, Next Step is not the only program you run. Um, there are many other things, and I think especially under the time of COVID, it's more important than ever that these programs are implemented. And can you just kind of elaborate a little bit more on the Safety Net Fund and the Student Food Pantry? Because uh, I think these yeah. two programs are fantastic uh, additions. Yeah, so I'll start with the Safety Net Fund. So the Safety Net Fund was started because State Farm wanted to donate some money to our students to help them if they were having difficult times. And this was pre-COVID. So we wrote up kind of a proposal of what we wanted the application to look like. And we wanted to make sure that we were able to reach as many students as possible with the parameters of the application. So with our safety net fund, students have to be full-time and in good standing with financial aid to receive the grant. And they also have to sheet for the grant. So um, submitting invoices and bills and things like that to kind of show like, hey, this is what I'm intending to use the money for. And it could even be if you're using plan to use it for a housing deposit you may not have an invoice for that so you just simply say this is what my plan is to use this money for so a wide range of things but we try not to limit what students can pay for because we've had some students send in invoices for car repairs for the fund as well so it's you show us that you have the need and what you're intending to use the money for and the committee will review those applications to make sure that you get what you need um since the start of that fund, it's grown exponentially, and it's actually a part of our True Blue Give. So every year, MTSU does a big fundraiser, and it's actually coming up this weekend, and it's called True Blue Give. And the safety net is kind of pulled into that as a part of the emergency assistance fund. And so with that, the safety net has grown quite a bit, and so it's allowed us to help more students. And so when COVID did hit, what we did was we kind of we didn't change the parameters or the requirements or anything like that but we did really really heavily market it to students to let them know like hey this has been around for a while but we really really need you to know that this is available to you if you need it and you can use it and so that's one of the things that we made sure that once the campus closed down we wanted students to know we may not be physically on campus but we're still available to you and this is one of the ways that you can get assistance from our university and the same kind of went for the student food pantry. Um, we were close, so students couldn't physically come into the pantry like they did before, but we had pre-made food bags for students. And we made sure that there was always at least one staff member in our building. So when students came, they could call a number that was listed on the door and somebody would bring out a bag of food to them. And we also had meal vouchers available to students as well. If they wanted to go to one of our dining halls, they could pick up some hot food to go. Um, and once we came back in the fall, we switched to an online format. 
course, I can't really use ClickList for copyright reasons, but we have an online form that students can fill out ahead of time and kind of say, hey, this is who I am, how I can be contacted. This is the food that I want, and this is the day and time that I want to pick it up. And so myself or a student worker will get those requests together and make it available for the students to pick up at our front counter. That way, students aren't having to worry about coming into our food pantry, which isn't very big, so it's not a good space for social distancing. So we wanted to make it safe for staff and students who were in need for those um, resources. Gotcha. And th- that's all great programs. Um, and I was wondering, aside from Next Step, Safety Net Fund, and Student Food Pantry you just mentioned, how can we help? Or do you see anything that we can address, whether as high schoolers or whether as some of our listeners who are adults or uh, grandparents? Mm-hmm. How can we be part of this? Um, well, one of the things that I talk about with students oftentimes is kind of that compassion for one another I think is always a good first step and just kind of always approaching situations with your peers with a kind heart just because you never know what the next person is going through because I know a lot of times students may be hesitant to come to the food pantry because they feel like that's not what they should do and just if you know that there are resources available that may be beneficial always recommend you know your peers seek out those resources Um, and even if you want to tag along with them and say I'll walk over there with you or um, often when people ask me what can they donate non-food items are just as important as food items and that's one of the things that we don't always think about so toilet paper can openers those little things are always useful for food pantries and things like that so when thinking about donating to a food pantry or helping out college students or even for yourselves as you pack up to move on a campus or your own apartment. There's kind of those little things like what are the non-food items that I'll need? Like pots, pans, plates, and bowls. You never really know what you need until you don't have it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it was truly a delight to come and talk to you about this and kind of get some more information yeah. about a topic that we were completely kind of unaware of Um until we started researching for this episode. But yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you guys. And I truly commend you too, because when I first got the email about the podcast and I was looking, I was like, oh my gosh, they're in high school. That's amazing. So I commend you too as well. Awesome. Thank Thank you. you so much. That's it for this episode of the We Are Z podcast. As always, we thank you for listening. Um, And be sure to check out our social media at WRZpod or our website at wrzpod.com for updates and more episodes. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks.